0: This episode of State of the Nova Nation is sponsored by our friends at Homefield. Introducing our new sponsor, Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. Homefield brings you incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They dig through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs. Homefield launched its Villanova collection last Saturday, and this collection features 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, and crewnecks, all with vintage marks. I received my Nova Nation Homefield shirt this past week, and it completely exceeded my expectations. I love the design, the material is super soft, and for all my female Wildcat fans out there, the cut and the style is perfect to wear to a game and casual enough to wear to cheer on the cats. To explore the full collection, be sure to use the promo code VUHOOPS at checkout. That's VUHOOPS, all one word, all capital, for a discount on homefieldapparel.com to get all the apparel you need for March. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zang, and of course, this episode will be a little bit disappointing mm. because Villanova did fall in the Final Four to the Kansas Jayhawks, 81-65, to 65. but I think Pat and I will be a little bit more optimistic in this episode, right, Pat? I will try to. We'll try to. It's, it's of course, <laughs> disappointing, but... When you look as a a whole on this season, Volnova did make it to the Final Four. I'm sure nobody's expectations were that high coming in. So this episode will be almost exclusively reactionary. We have a ton of points to go through about Saturday night's game. We'll talk a tiny, tiny bit because we are recording on Monday night before the game about the game that as you're listening, we will have our national champion. Mm -hmm. And then we're also very excited because if you've been living under a rock... We have some news for you. And it's that the Big East has been shaken up quite a bit. So (laughs) we're going to bring back (laughs) just a bit. We're going to bring back our around the Big East segment to wrap things up. We're excited. Of course, we were very disappointed that Villanova fell. Their season ended prematurely, more prematurely than we had hoped getting Mm it this, getting this far. But Pat, start us off. Tell tell us your thoughts. You've, You've had a day and a half, two days to digest it. How are you feeling now?
1: Yeah, um, I, I mean, the overarching feeling that I get as we sit here on Monday night, like you said, about you know, almost 48 hours from from that game is I'm really proud of this team and, you know, that their ability to to battle all year to get to a Final Four. E- even thinking about this game and, and how they fell behind 10-0 and then 16-5 to at one point, you know, th- there was a thought in your head, are they going to get run out of the Superdome? And you know, mm-hmm. do do what Villanova did say to Oklahoma, in, yeah, in or Kansas, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that didn't happen. E- even with that, this team still fought, and in the second half, got the lead down to six. And Caleb Daniels had a clanged three, or a three that went around the basket, basically from cutting it to a four point deficit. Um, so, just really, really proud of this team and where they're able to get to. That we can be straight about it. They lost to a better team. Uh, On Mm -hmm. Saturday night. And yes, a huge part of that is Justin Moore. We are going to discuss much about that impact, I'm sure. But that's my feeling. How about you?
0: My feeling, overarching, to be completely honest, is that I don't think Villanova with Justin Moore could have in this version of Kansas. Mm. To shoot that well, and by that well, I mean 54% from the floor and from three. To get out to that hot of a start, for Ochai Abaji to be that good, for David McCormick to be that good, I don't think Justin Moore's absence was the reason why Villanova lost this game, to put it bluntly. I think you're absolutely right. Kansas was just the better team. I didn't expect it to be that lopsided, at least from the start. And to take your point even further, they were, a, they were inches away from that Caleb Daniels three, making it a singular possession game. And they were also a... Christian Brown hail Mary end of the shot clock three away from making it a single possession game. That was the one that just ripped my heart out because yes, I had thoughts at the beginning that Villanova was going to be embarrassed, but they did not. They did not. They absolutely stayed in this game. They were that close. And unfortunately that Brown three was the dagger. We thought it was going to come down to a con Gillespie dagger. And it was a, an opposing player. This time, Certainly, yeah, that certainly was the yeah. dagger
1: there. Yeah, that, that put Kansas up double digits with that uh, with that three and w- with four minutes left. You know, it was going to be a big ask for for Nova to yeah. be able to to try and cut that. And it also just felt like the most deflating shot in the world because nova oh. really did play some great defense on that possession. Goes out to Christian Brown, who's about five feet behind the three point line, fades away and drills it. And it summed up Kansas's night, as you kind mm-hmm. of you know alluded to. They did to Villanova what Villanova did to them in 2018 is basically how it turned out. And in that game, Villanova only shot 45% from three. I say
0: only shot
1: 45% from three, which is hilarious to say. It was 18 made threes in that game
0: for the Cats
1: on their way to the national title. Kansas, 13 made threes here, but shot at 54% from beyond the arc. When something like that happens, it's just you have to basically play a perfect game to be able to overcome that. And we know Villanova wasn't really going to be able to play a perfect game. They had to make this this sloppiest game ever for them to try and and overcome this with Justin Moore being out. And when Kansas plays that pretty, you know, it's that's where this result comes from.
0: (laughs) It's just so, so disappointing, too, because Villanova, I get the point you make, obviously, but they didn't play a sloppy game. They shot 40% from the floor and 42% from three. And much better in the second half, yeah. Right, if they had scored 65 points, you and I talked about this explicitly on Thursday, I think we were relatively confident that a 65-point scoring output would be okay. would at least keep them in it. And defense was the downfall, which is A, something we didn't expect because we thought Villanova's defense would carry it through this game, but also B, Yes, it's an 81 points. Yes, they haven't given up that many points since I believe Marquette. But this was a different ver- What te- what teams' defense could have stopped Kansas in this game? Not Houston's, not Tennessee's. You know, mm-hmm. it, it was just a different a different beast. Ochai Abaji did not miss a three until two minutes were left in this game.
1: Yep, started. Let six that for sink six. in.
0: Did not miss a three until two minutes were left that's how good Kansas was
1: yeah he had made three threes in the entire NCAA tournament and then started six for six against Villanova before finishing. I cannot
0: I cannot believe it we had talked and talked and talked and talked the bear was poked right about which players Nova had focused on and recency bias turned us towards Remy Martin and he was completely neutralized again if you had told us that Remy Martin would score three points we would be feeling pretty damn confident and instead, Abaji had 21. McCormick, who, oh my God, we will talk about a lot, scored 25. Almost all the rest of the starters were in single digits, except Harris, who had nine. Abaji just found that midseason form that had been absent throughout mm-hmm. the tournament, which to everybody's detriment me- meant that we counted him out, and he capitalized, and that's what good players do, and he's a really good player.
1: He, he certainly did, and what Villanova did, Villanova challenged him to shoot those mm-hmm. three, seeing a guy that... I don't know if you want to call it confidence or whatever it was, was not the Ochai Obaji that we had seen for a big portion of the season so far in the NCAA tournaments. So what Villanova did is they went under screens for him and Kansas did a, they put on a screening clinic, honestly, something that Villanova usually does uh, off ball on ball. I was so impressed by that, but Villanova, especially out of the gates was going under all of the screens for Obaji. And it gave him some space around the three point line. What, I nor Villanova nor anyone <laughs> could have planned was that Ochai was going to go six for six. Yeah. Right. right for him to
0: be that hot. Huh? Uh, yeah. So I think
1: I, I understand the strategy. That, no, no, yeah. no, you're good. I understand the strategy for why trying to challenge him to take that shot, a shot that he had not been able to consistently make over the last couple of games, but sometimes people step up to challenges and Oceo Obaji mm-hmm. most certainly did on Saturday.
0: And that exact point is the reason why I wasn't throwing my TV through the wall. Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think you. Ha- this team was a one seed for a reason. They might have been, quote-unquote, underrated and under-talked about because of all the hoopla about Duke-UNC. But I would have rather Villanova take the step away from abaji than let him shoot. Well, I'm sorry, the other way around. I would have rather let him take a three than, than be able to drive against the rim because that's where I really thought Villanova could be hurt. And he's just made the shots. And sometimes that happens. He was just absolutely on fire on Saturday night and they did limit him in the second half. They did do a better job, but at that point it was too late.
1: Yeah. What where Nova and we talked about this going in, where they were going to really pay was defensively with Justin Moore mm-hmm. being out. And that's exactly what happened. If, if Justin Moore is playing as, as we said, I still don't think Villanova wins this game based on how Kansas. Did. Oh yeah.
0: is Yeah. You think that too,
1: but Kansas doesn't score 81. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll put it that way. Cause what happened was Kansas completely exploited their ability with those wings that, that we really previewed on Thursday where Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson, o- Ochai Obaji, all of them, just Villanova lost that versatility that they have with Moore and, and how they're able to guard basically everyone and play smaller. And of course, reduce Dixon's minutes. And of course we'll have to talk about Dixon soon, but they lose that when Moore goes out. And what happened was, Brown Wilson and Obagi just picked Villanova apart uh, with, with their passing and their movement. And it, it really was killer. So that that's where your, your big blow was with Justin Howard.
0: Yeah. And the larger umbrella term for everything you just said was that Kansas controlled the pace, yes. which is a huge key that Villanova absolutely had to do. They had to start out hot shooting and also methodical enough where slow would win. And unfortunately for them, and very fortunately for Kansas, fast one, because Nova turned the ball over six times in the first 10 minutes. And mm-hmm. that was absolutely uncharacteristic, completely unprecedented. And they just capitalized every single time. And that, having Justin Moore in that offense probably makes things a little bit more, um, what's the word here, organized? Hmm. Anything Anything more positive Stable. than what we saw? Stable. Yeah. But that relentless full court pressure, the relentless staying on screens, Colin actually had a really, really good game. He was able to get shots that he wanted, maybe not in the first few minutes. But that pace Villanova just couldn't keep up with. And they looked more gassed in the first 10 minutes, I think, than they did in the last 10 minutes. Yeah, Just so to
1: show how well Kansas started. You bring up two really key points here. The first, Kansas utilized the full-court press pretty much from the get-go. And listen, it, it's just smart from Bill Self. It's understanding that Villanova lost their other lead ball handler, Caleb is a very good player and a very good scorer. He He's not the he's not lead ball, handler. ball handler type. Yeah. Now we'll talk about that for next season, but that'll be on Thursday's episode. Pat, um, you're just,
0: you're just teasing these
1: people. I am. No I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so it, it, he really exploited that, which is just good coaching there. And the other part w- was coming out of the gates here in the game. You know, obviously Kansas goes to a 10-0 run to open the game. You know, talks about getting it to 16-5. and five. Villanova was a negative 13 in the first 10 minutes of this game. Uh, that is their worst margin of the entire season. Uh, their worst other than that was minus nine against UCLA. Of course, they fought back and got that game into overtime and a minus eight against our Marquette that they did lose. I mean, think about the worst losses of the year too, which is the Creighton blowout and the Baylor game. After the first 10 minutes, Villanova had a one point lead against Creighton and was only down five against Mm. Baylor. So that just kind of puts into perspective what being down 13 against this Kansas team can do. As you said, the turnovers was the big thing. This team could not get settled into anything. Uh, You know, with the six turnovers in the first 10 minutes, I believe they had four by the first media timeout which is just a recipe for disaster, especially how this Kansas team thrives off of turnovers. And then finally, when it gets into rhythm, it took the cats three minutes to score their first basket. And then another three minutes before they got their next basket, just by the time Villanova got into this game, Kansas was already starting to run and, and stretch their legs. And that's what made things so difficult. So even though Nova was able to get it down to a six point game, you know, in in the second half, it was always going to be an incredibly tall task to undo the first 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, and, and that leads into my point exactly, which is we're talking about how ugly this was. The rest of the game really wasn't. They outscored Kansas in the second 10 minutes and the third 10 minutes coming out of halftime. Then they mm-hmm. were minus seven in the in the last 10 minutes. But I've, I found this on CBS Sports. Nova outscored Kansas 46-43 to 43 after it trailed by 19 yeah. at that point when everything, when hope seemed completely lost. Villanova actually outscored Kansas for the for the remainder of the game. But that deficit was just too much to overcome and my second point af- after what you just said is Villanova has played ugly in this tournament as yeah, a whole. Very. A- against <laughs> against Michigan, against Ohio State, against Houston, they won ugly and the reason why they were able to do that for the most part is because they made the other team look more uncomfortable. And on Saturday it was Kansas that made Villanova look uncomfortable. And yes, maybe we downplayed the tempo part. I think looking back, that's the thing that I settled on the most. I just really couldn't anticipate how fast Kansas would play and how much Villanova would struggle with that, especially without more. But again, if Kansas hadn't shot that well, it would have been a different story because the way they looked for the rest of the game, that was a team that Villanova could beat. It was just the start and... That'll always be what I remember, just coming out that flat offensively mm-hmm. versus how hot Candace was. It's so tough to come back from that.
1: It's your two big what ifs from this is what yes. if the first 10 minutes are, are much closer and say instead of being down 10-0 before you can even blink, it's 10-7, we're saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously what if Justin Moore is healthy and, and Jay yeah. is able to have that versatility because he very clearly Uh, was very hamstrung, but, you know, going through this game, you you mentioned Gillespie playing well, 39 minutes uh, as something that, you know, we predicted as well. Caleb Daniels was out there for 39 minutes. I thought he played really well, was very athletic, cutting to the hoop and super proud to see Brandon Slater put in the performance that he did after just being mostly non-existent in this NCAA tournament. Uh, over the past couple games to come out there pouring 16 four threes I thought it was really aggressive yes he missed some shots around the basket but was, was really important on the boards too uh, I think these guys played well I think these guys battled it, it's just Kansas on their day and it sure as heck was their day on Saturday it was too much to overcome
0: yeah I don't think there's anything else I can say besides with a minute left I was still watching this game because I kept saying okay Maybe if they do this, maybe if they do that, (laughs) of course, Brown shot really, really hurt. But when they were down 19, you could have closed the book on this season and they never let it get that bad again. So that's what I was really proud of, too. I think the Slater point is really good because he was exceptionally underrated to start the season. And then in those first few games and then he was almost a non-entity on offense. And then I think overall, he finished the season appropriately rated. Yeah. <laughs> he had a really, really good game to end off this tournament. Hopefully, 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 hopefully create some momentum going into next season, which again, I'm teasing now. We'll talk about next, uh, next episode on Thursday. But he absolutely needed this type of performance. It was I the minutes. So. It was the shot selection too. Again, the first time he made that three, he made himself a threat, which opens up so many more options for Villanova's offense that was struggling to put points up on the board in those first few minutes. Um, unfortunately, I don't think we could talk about anything else. I think we must talk about the Bakes now.
1: Uh, I was just going to say, is it McCormick time?
0: <laughs> it's, it's unfortunately McCormick with time as, as much as I hate to talk about it. I have some, some numbers to start us off and please do that probably be enough that we would have to say, but of course we'll talk about it more. So we mentioned how streaky McCormick was in our Kansas mega preview with Alan Ray to highlight that even more against Creighton and Providence. David McCormick went four for 13 from the floor and he had eight rebounds in those two games combined in those 48 minutes against Miami. He was six for seven. Again, that was Kansas's huge comeback game Mm -hmm. in that second half, but he only played 18 minutes against Villanova in Kansas's most important game of the season. He had a season high twenty five points and nine rebounds. He played thirty minutes. Mm. David McCormick showed up when it mattered most.
1: Oh yes, he did. Uh, he had twelve field goal attempts, which is the second most for him all year. He usually averages six, so he doubled it. <laughs> it was a, a clear focal point. Uh, you know, as you said, twenty five points season high for him. Uh, it was twenty two before that. Just seven, eight, nine, and fifteen were those point outputs through the NCAA tournament. And I am giving a lot of credit here to bill self because Mm. bill self very clearly went in with a game plan for how to exploit Villanova and, and did so to a T with that full court press with really getting the wins wings and exploiting Villanova, not able to play small. And then he targeted Eric Dixon and we, we love Eric Dixon. Eric Dixon has had a great year. I have the utmost faith that Eric Dixon is going to be a very good Villanova basketball player, but on Saturday night, it was experience over youth and, and McCormick just went to town on, on Dixon and, and whether it was post moves or, or bringing Dixon out of the post and finding a cutting wing in, in Christian Brown or, or Jalen Wilson behind it. They went at Dixon and Jay didn't really have a choice because, of course, you know, you, you lose being able to play with Justin Moore uh, out there. So it was a really difficult game. For Eric, as I said, it does not take away all the progression that we've had this season and how excited I am for his future, but Kansas went into this game knowing that, that they could try and take advantage of him, and, and they certainly did.
0: Yeah, that was very well said. You, you pretty much touched every single point I wanted. Absolutely does not take away from how good Eric Dixon's year was, but David McCormick was playing a different type of game. Like oh, I yeah. off. <laughs> And again, a huge what-if. This is just so painful every time we have to say it, but what... What also brought Villanova through this tournament was playing small. And, and actually, that goes back all the way to the Big East tournament, too. Huge, huge strength for them. They weren't able to exploit that against Kansas. So Bill Self just put, pushed it up to another level. They just pounded David McCormick. I think it, David McCormick, it obviously goes without saying that Kansas won the paint battle, but it was 32-16. to 16. They also out-rebounded Villanova which had been a sneaky week, sneaky strength for Nova all season long. Mm -hmm. They just, they couldn't do anything. There wasn't any sort of foul trouble in this game also. So you couldn't even try and push McCormick out. Mitch Lightfoot wasn't even really a factor because he didn't need to be. And I just had this feeling going in that yes, Candace's wings were probably superior to Villanova's personnel, but it would come down to the bigs without Justin Moore it would come down to which big could get going early. And it happened to be David McCormick. And again, when Nova made it close at the end of the second half, I remember this was all over my Twitter. It was the first four minutes of the second half would determine who would win this game. Because Villanova was starting to get the momentum back, playing small, Con Gillespie was hitting a lot of shots. Caleb had a few big shots. That was when Slater got hot and McCormick just came out so hot at the beginning of the second half. They hadn't, Villanova had just, no answer for him down low. And they honestly just couldn't score fast enough to keep up with what with what McCormick was doing.
1: Villanova's biggest strength at limiting these bigs this year has been that they do not get pushed underneath the basket. You know, mm-hmm. they, they come up and they really can test out. And it's not easy to push Villanova around underneath the basket. Shout out Shaq, uh, Shaq Fit for all that he does, you know, uh, for these guys. What Kansas did is... Whenever they were caught a little bit further from the basket than they wanted to a McCormack's post moves were just on fire and he was able to spin back and and get a lot of looks Uh, and B they were able to find some cutters to the rim, you know, with with that athleticism and they were able to use a football team go over the top of the defense um, and you know and find uh, someone going around the rim so. Kansas executed their game plan perfectly. They also did the reverse Villanova or what Villanova likes to do where they played uh, inside out and would regularly work the ball into the paint, whether it be a wing, whether it be McCormick and then look to find those threes around the perimeter, something that Villanova has made a living on over the past couple of years. It's tough for me to get angry about this game because it really was just execution executed perfectly is what Kansas did on offense. It really was a sight to see. You just wish it wasn't against Villanova because wow. What a clinic it was.
0: Yeah, it was a clinic. They just executed their game plan better than Villanova did. And it's really hard to talk about it any more than that. You know, people are saying, Oh, I'm so sorry. Villanova lost all weekend long. That's what I kept getting. And I kept saying, yeah, I mean, it really is what it is when Kansas plays that well. Mm -hmm. It really is what it is. What are you going to do about it? Kansas's guards were able to prod a little bit, which I think was okay. He just didn't expect them to hit that many shots from the perimeter. And they did.
1: I I give you a a simple thing there. Jerry asked us on Thursday, how many threes does Villanova need to win this game? And he said it over under at 12. We thought 12 was probably too high. Nova goes out and hits 13 and loses by 16. Like, right. But that, that did not
0: see that coming. <laughs> the
1: ultimate, what do you want us to do? Um, yeah. Type moment right there. And then I think one more player, that's just I- interesting to focus on here before we go, you know, Brian Antoine played 19 minutes, which mm-hmm. this was certainly an opportunity for him. Uh, he, I think he struggled out there. Uh, you see the flashes for Brian Antoine, you know, the athleticism, the speed, all of that, the, Decision making isn't fully there where he is so uber aggressive that he tries to jump everything and Kansas really played into that and was able to burn him a a couple times there and I I think that's a big reason why you didn't see him get restored to the rotation um, throughout the season, we know he still has kind of struggled to to find his offensive mark He, he did hit that three late in the game. Uh, It was a big opportunity for him. I think it's really important minutes, obviously, to play 19 minutes in a final four. I would have liked to have seen more from him, especially on the defensive side.
0: Yeah, I was thinking a lot about if any more of those shots had gone down. This also would have felt like a closer game. Mm -hmm. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think Antoine or Arch played at all in the second half.
1: Uh, Antoine did. Antoine. Did. Oh, did he? But okay. Arch only had two minutes total. So I, I don't even I don't remember him coming in the second half, but I may be uh, definitely losing something. there. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. I don't think I don't think he did. Two minutes was actually much less than I expected for Arch. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're looking at it from a positive standpoint, it's 19 minutes, it's a whole lot more than he played all season long. Yeah, pretty much. But I agree. <laughs> I don't think it was anything particularly inspiring from Antoine. No, it was, it was disappointing
1: is how I yeah. look at it. If, if we're going to go out there, as I said, it, can it be used as a building block that you played 19 minutes in a final four? 100%. But mm-hmm. I, I think it also showed how far he's still trying to come.
0: Yeah. And again, he, he's been so off and on all season long, that it shouldn't be crazy shocking that he's not in no. his groove offensively or defensively. He just hasn't had the time to, to get into game mode. And, and I had one more question. What do you think overall about Samuels's performance in this game?
1: It's a good question. Uh, obviously, didn't have the same impact as he's had throughout this tournament where he was, you know, one of the guys and, of course, Game changer. The, yeah, yeah, and won, won the South's most outstanding player uh you know Kansas went into it understanding that and knowing that Villanova was going to have the less options here i guess you could say that you're disappointed with the fact he you know was only 3 of 8 for for 9 points but i didn't leave it, it crushed I'll, I'll put it yeah. that way
0: or feeling like he really let the team down no, no, at this no. point he was losing the huge advantage that he had which was that he was super underrated in all the other games that Villanova played and Without more, like you said, there's one less option. His best so,
1: position is center and they couldn't right. do that.
0: And who else is who else is gonna score? You had Colin, Caleb, and Samuels. That's it. Usually you have more, and you can stretch it a little bit more, but it was very easy for Kansas to be all over him and they were.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much how I looked at it too. They they focused yep. to make sure they did not bite on the pumps as much as you've seen like Houston yes. bit on every single pump fake. Uh, th- that was not the case against Slater or Samuels, you know, two of the the bigger pump fakers on this team. Uh, they did a really nice job at, at staying disciplined there and, and not allowing Jermaine to really get around the basket and cause a lot of damage around it too. So I, again, I, I just put it all to Kansas executed a perfect game plan. And, and that's, yeah. that's what they rode to Monday night's national t- uh, championship game.
0: Yeah. We just talked for 30s, 20 minutes about, Everything under the sun, and that's basically better said than what we all just said. Kansas just executed their game plan better. They were just the better team on Saturday night, and that's I I feel the same way. I didn't I didn't come away disappointed with how Samuel's played. I actually came away impressed with Slater, and then most of all, again, Caleb missed a lot of shots, but I didn't feel crazy about that. I actually think Gillespie played really, really well. He and did. He, he did them in. just about everything he could to throw this team on his back. Exactly. He shot five of eight from three. This was a guy at the beginning of the season that people were wondering if he actually was a pure shooter, if he really <laughs> could bring up those shooting percentages from three. And, oh, my God, oh, did if the he? Bob Cousy Award didn't, didn't prove it to you, if what he did during the Big East tournament didn't prove it to you, the last game of his college career did what an emotional moment. I guess we could just segue into this now. Mm. What an emotional moment, him and Jermaine coming off the floor, hugging Jay, hugging the coaches. It's the first time I've ever seen Colin cry. Did he cry when he tore his MCL? Uh,
1: I don't, (laughs) I don't remember, but it's because I think I try to block that out of my head. Yeah, true. I am
0: 99% sure he didn't. And he was, he tried to come back in. Really, I remember that. Yeah. Really hard in this game. And if, I think we said this last week, if you're crying, it's because you care. So yeah. it, what an incredible way to close out a career for him. Of course, he's never ever been worried about the individual accolades and in the awards individual performances, but I thought he played really well.
1: Him and Samuels are are two Villanova legends. It's, yeah. it's that simple. They they did not embarrass themselves playing incredibly, um, you know, with a a hand tied behind their back, basically uh, on Saturday against an absolutely loaded team. They fought through the whole way. I really think Colin played excellent on -hmm. Saturday and and kept them in. it. I thought defensively he did a great job. You know, he hit so many big threes. As we said, you know, Jermaine, the impact Villanova is not here right now if it wasn't for Jermaine Samuels in the Big East tournament and the NCAA tournament, uh, how he really turned it on. As you said, for Gillespie, and you know, a winner of the Cousy Award for best point guard in the country, second wildcat ever to win it and beat out the likes of Akinjo Nemharda and Tiger Campbell. N- not exactly a bunch of slouches <laughs> that he-, no. he won it over. W- what a year, what a career. I-, I think for Gillespie, he finishes right outside the top 10 of all time scores uh, in Villanova history. Probably would have gotten it if he didn't get hurt, you know, in 2020. And oh, of course, yeah. you have to think about uh, the canceled NCAA tournament and all that as well in 1920. So had some games limited. Yes, understand, of course, he then had a fifth year uh, that it came back a- a- and dominated for. But these guys are two legends. You know, Gillespie goes down as one of the best Wildcats to ever do it. And of course, their their impact and cannot fully even be quantified for for what they've been able to do.
0: You know what I think? Put them both in the rafters.
1: Samuels too. i Gillespie for sure. It's Samuels is going to be the question. I, I'm not sure if Samuels gets it.
0: Colin also has the record that absolutely will never be broken, which is drumroll, 155 games played.
1: Be careful. Is that the final number? Be be careful. Is that 156? Who's going to break I really, it? I. Everyone that went in like Eric Dixon could play five years um, <laughs> and say all this. So with the COVID True. year, you, you got to get through the co all the COVID guys so is those yeah. are the ones that have a chance <laughs> to break it, but otherwise, yeah. yes, no, the one fifty six will not, will not be broken.
0: Oh man. Yeah. I, I mean, if you had any doubts about where Colin stood in the Villanova wildcat lore, hopefully those doubts have been answered because this whole season people wondered if he could handle the expectations that were placed on him and he did, he absolutely blew them away on a national stage in the, but in the biggest moments we had, we had conversations at the beginning of the year, Pat, if, Oh my God, I remember this so vividly. He went off during the big five stretch and he hadn't so far. And we wondered if Colin was ready for the big moments. I think he pretty much answered those questions this year.
1: I'd say so um yeah Uh, I'd say just looking at the accolades too which I know we don't even love to look at for him but you have to NCAA champion two-time Big East player of the year Big East tournament MVP three time all Big East scholar athlete what three Big East um uh tournament titles I'm blanking on the regular season titles that might be three there as well like you talk about rafters Uh, I'm not sure there's a more automatic one, yeah, <laughs> than Colin Gillespie. Um, so h- he'll be there. It's just, of course, a-, a question of when.
0: You know what? Too you could make a strong argument that he could have made the rafters without this extra year. Y-
1: yeah, you, you could have. The- this is the in terms of winning, in terms top. of
0: accolades. Of course, this was this was his individual year. Sure, this was him becoming the main guy on one of the best teams in the country. But we had this conversation at the beginning of the year when, when we had that um, Jersey retirement episode. Mm-hmm. How many times was Villanova successful when Colin Gillespie happened to be there? That's not a coincidence. <laughs> Probably, not not. A coincidence. Probably not. Probably
1: yeah. not. And I love, if you haven't read it from The Athletic, uh, Brendan Quinn, who did a really nice job kind of covering Villanova through this NCAA tournament, talked about you know Jay Wright trying to figure out what was the team morale like and, mm-hmm. and, and things like that after Justin Moore went down. And who does he who does he talk to about it? He doesn't go to the coaching staff or anyone. He goes to Colin Gillespie. yes yeah. how, how the team is doing. And and Jay gave Colin, you know, some of the highest marks you've ever heard when talking about his leadership this year. I believe he actually called him physically the best leader that that this Nova team or Nova team that, surprise this me. Nova program yeah. has had under Jay. Um, it's. Yeah, we'll, we'll go end scene there cuz I don't know how to follow that out.
0: No, I, I my, my next question is is what does Colin's future look like? Mm. Well, obviously, we'll we'll talk about NBA prospects, we'll talk about that. Um
1: want to save that one for Thursday?
0: We'll have to save it. Ha-ha, but the bottom line, gotta, my bottom line is I wonder if coaching is in Colin's future. Could be. Yeah. yeah
1: certainly could be. Huh. That being said, that, I would say that, <laughs> as we sigh because it's just obviously crushing to see it. Is there anything else you wanted to hit for it?
0: I don't think so. Yeah. We've mentioned it a lot. But on Thursday, we will do a full episode dedicated to season in review. We'll talk a little bit more about the seniors in this program, and then more importantly, of course, what the people want. A little uh preseason preview for next mm. year. Yeah. Talk some recruiting. We'll talk some fifth year decisions i'm excited for that one because i know that's that's what people are talking about already
1: certainly we already had a question coming from david about it but uh yeah. we're, we're gonna save that for thursday with a, a big mailbag and uh and all that and before we move on i do want to say a, a quick shout out to a uh, crompton ale in uh, in new york oh, City, yeah. where i was for the uh, you know villanova alumni event it was uh, a fantastic atmosphere for as you know, rough as, of course, the game did. Nova Nation showed out. It was absolutely packed, and, and Crompton did a great job. So shout out to everyone involved there because it made for a, a, a really nice place to watch the game.
0: Pat, I'll be honest. I was extremely worried about you during the game because <laughs> usually we are talking a lot, and Pat wasn't responding. And of course, you know, if, if Villanova was getting blown out we're not going to chat casually. It's usually good stuff that we're talking about. But I was very worried about you. And Luckily, you said that you just didn't. I was have alive. Service, yes. So. No. There were so many people
1: inside that bar that I lost service probably about ten minutes before tip off and did not get yeah. it back until uh, after the game. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So. Glad to hear that you were okay. I will, was, I was alive. It was definitely worried at points <laughs> that you yeah. had gone down a deep hole. But yeah. But the, <laughs> the bottom line is we want to save all that for Thursday. So that this episode, this game could sit by itself. I think it deserves to It's obviously disappointing. I think we went through all the points about how, how Villanova could have been better, mm-hmm. but Kansas was just the better team. They executed their game plan better. They were the better coach team in this matchup and their talent just just kind of stunned Villanova and make them look as uncharacteristic as they've looked all year long. And it hurts. It leaves a lot of questions unanswered for what this team could have been with a healthy Justin Moore, but man, Kansas was good this year. Man, Kansas was good.
1: They were, I I do want to give Jay his, you know, his, his plaudits. I, I think he did a yeah. very nice coaching job with this. Of course, I got put in an impossible situation and without your,
0: exactly. Yeah. They, without they still found a way.
1: Storm. Yeah. They still found a way to do 65 and, and, and hang in this game, you know, within the final 10 minutes there, but the, the bill self game plan, I thought was just perfect.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Even the fact that Villanova was able to keep it that close. I think is a huge accomplishment. So I'll leave you with this hmm. in eight of the last 16 tournaments. Yes. <laughs> It's Villanova crazy. has either won the national championship or lost to the eventual champion. And this year could make it nine of 17. Of course, Pat and I are recording before the game. When you listen to this on Tuesday morning, you will know if it is nine of 17. Yes. But Pat, give me a, a quick prediction for tonight. Who are you feeling?
1: Well, first off, it's not hard for us to be recording before the game because of the wonderful 920 Eastern start. Yeah, don't you they, love it? They do every year. It just please just stab me in the heart. Um, yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, yes, I do think it's going to happen. I do think Kansas is going to win. Mm. I'm also rooting for Kansas in this game. And no, it has honestly nothing to do with uh, I want to lose to the champion. It is, I want Villanova to remain as the only eight seed to ever win. Yes, it can only be that. I know Brendan Riley tweeted it. I was thinking it. And then I checked Twitter and saw he had tweeted the same thing. I'm yeah. like, all right, we're on the same page here. Um, so that is why I will be firmly rooting for the Jayhawks and hope that they are hoisting a title.
0: That's funny. I've got UNC, and you I'm kind do. of rooting for UNC, too. Nope. And there's have been there been so much back and forth in my own head and then nationally, too, about how, man, if Kansas gets out to as hot of a start as they did against Illinois, UNC has no chance, and Kansas has the more pure offensive talent, and they can lock down on defense People, did you see how UNC came back against Duke on Saturday?
1: Oh, I loved every second of it. Did you see
0: that Brady-Manic stretch of play? If UNC leads at any point by more than six or eight, I don't think Kansas can do anything about it. Oh, be
1: careful. Be very careful.
0: (sighs) I think UNC has more firepower than Kansas. It remains to be seen if they are actually more talented than kansas that's where i'm going to leave it for now
1: uh yeah i want to see unc go up against a team that has the defensive explosiveness that yes us to force all yes. these turnovers and really really run with them because duke as we know offensive team and of course carolina's you know basically their their whole path baylor's a defensive team but it was a I was just Baylor gonna say team. yeah um so that it, it's a really exciting matchup of course it's the blue bloods it, I, i'm i'm pumped for it but no, I need Villanova to hold on to that record so firmly, in, uh, in Kansas's corner here. Though it'll be really awkward when Kansas wins the national championship and then gets it vacated in three months um, when the NCAA comes down with yeah. all the all their uh, the violations for lack of institutional control. <laughs>
0: That's something that we didn't talk about. There's a chance that Bill Self is suspended for the majority of next season.
1: There's a chance that the title is vacated, Self is suspended, and they're not eligible to play in the 2023 tournament. But hey, it's it's all hypotheticals right now, but you can't say it's not a story, because it is.
0: Well, speaking of
1: suspensions...
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> should, should we move to the Around the Big East segment?
1: Let's, let's do it. Sorry about that. But. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course, not the perfect segue, but you got to run with it when you get it. All right, so that, so that matches, up, matches up the tournament. We will talk a little bit about that tournament game on Thursday, of course. I hope you can understand. We had to get the re- re- this recording done before Please, the Please, I
1: didn't want to record this at midnight, guys. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, sorry, but we just truly couldn't. So we decided to bring the Around the Big East segment back because there has been so much going on from a coaching perspective. To be honest, there has been so much going on in the coaching carousel around college basketball. Last time I checked, it was an even 50 coaching changes. There's so much. Three of those happened in the Big East, though, and that is what we will be talking about. Sean Miller returns to Xavier as its new head coach, Travis Steele, was fired right before the NIT tournament. Shaheen Holloway, as we mentioned, with Alan Ray on Thursday, just became Seton Hall's new coach. He is actually returning. And then to make it three of three, Thad Mata is returning Also returning, yeah, exactly. Three returning. I actually didn't realize that until I said it right now. That's Mm -hmm. actually pretty cool. I have so many thoughts. We can take it. Let's do a little bit on each one, and then we can have some general thoughts about the state of the Big East right now. Does that sound good? Yeah,
1: let's
0: do it. So Sean Miller, again, speaking of suspensions, he was fired from Arizona in 2021. Won't get into the nitty-gritty details, but it had to do with a recruiting infringement, yeah, infringements like exactly he'll serve his suspension next season so xavier did sign this long-term contract knowing that sean miller could miss a decent amount of next season but when it comes down to it the homecoming story was i think something that was just too big to ignore he had a really nice offer from usc that he turned down miller was the coach uh when Xavier was in the Atlantic 10, mm-hmm. 2004 to 2009, he made the NCAA tournament four times. He had a elite eight appearance. He had a sweet 16 run bringing some success back to the Xavier program that completely underperformed this season.
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad that Miller chose Xavier over going to South Carolina um, with that opening. It's, it's a big time hire. Let's put it yeah. that way. This Xavier big name. team, yeah, and I and I know you're a Travis Steele guy, but um, mm. this Xavier team was way too talented to kind of flame out the way they did. And I think we saw it with the fact they went on and won the NIT. There's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot of talent, you know, a, yeah. around that roster to bring in a you know a bona fide coach and Sean Miller who you know, was a stud at Xavier, of course, did great things at Arizona and then ran into trouble with some some recruiting violations, you know, at, in his time at Xavier, four NCAA tournaments, three regular season Adla- Atlantic 10 titles really helped propel Xavier to a point where they got into the Big East because of a lot of Sean Miller's work um, there. So to, to bring him back, to bring in this established guy to take over for Travis Steele that I think Steele did a fine job, but there certainly was a lot of room for improvement. That is a big time hire for this program and, and a chance to really, you know, energize the program.
0: Yeah, fine might might even be a generous statement for Travis Steele's think
1: I try ten tenure. Nice.
0: I think the way it ended though will cloud the the general tenure because yes, man, the mess. way the last few seasons especially have finished has been honestly remarkable how badly Xavier has finished the last few years. When it comes down to it, Sean Miller wins. He's won 73% of his games as a head coach. 73! His career record is 422 and 156. To have that big of a name, a coach, a winner in the Big East is huge. And now you think of, of course, recruiting efforts, which is what he'll be serving a suspension for next year because of. But the, the recruitments and the names that will come to Xavier because of Sean Miller elevates mm-hmm. this program to a new level. I, I absolutely love Travis Steele. I think he was a phenomenal person, but this is, this is a different level for Xavier right now.
1: Sometimes you just, you have to move on to take a yeah. chance to, to bring in an upgrade. It's what Marquette did a year ago, you know, with Wojo going to smart that it when a guy like Sean Miller's out there, you do what you have to do. And that's why yeah. it was really awkward timing with Steels firing around the NIT, but they knew that South Carolina was going hard after him. And you, you can't pass up that opportunity. And, and clearly it paid off because they landed him. It's it a it big time hire. Sean Miller is a fantastic coach. Of course he has his, his, uh, his black spots on him with the, with the recruiting, but will uh, it, it's a huge hire for this conference.
0: Yeah, and they made it long-term enough that hopefully this is just a distant memory by the end of his successful tenure at Saber yeah. for the second time. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. All right, so moving on, we did talk about this a little bit. Shaheen Holloway returning to Seton Hall. He, of course, was the point guard on that 2000 team that made it to the Sweet 16.
1: Uh, Elite eight, maybe
0: even. Elite eight, yeah. Uh, so that was obviously the big storyline this year with St. Peter's making it to the Sweet 16. Holloway has some work to do. Kevin Willard, of course, left for Maryland. He's in the Big Ten now. Seton Hall has always had so much talent, and I think their identity for the past few years has been just not having enough to make it deep into the tournament. Seton Hall has made just one Sweet 16 appearance since 2003. That's a long time. For some of the talent Seton Hall has had, I'll always remember 2020 as potentially being their year, and they couldn't capitalize because of the COVID year. But he has some work to do getting this team back to those miles Powell success years. And then way before that, when it was super successful.
1: Yeah. He's they've struggled with finding more than kind of one guy at a time, you know, especially just going recently with the Powell, the Mamu and, and Roden, even to a certain extent, you know, they have someone that can help you scoring wise, but they don't, do a great job at, at filling out the rest of the roster there, of course, very physical and defensively. We know what Seton Hall brings That's why it's a battle every time, you know, Villanova plays against them, but bringing in Holloway, having that ex- expanded resources, putting him in the big East. I think it's really exciting, you know, to to see what he can try and turn Seton Hall into and, and how quickly he's able to make an impact. Mm. The, the biggest compliment you can make is that press conference. I, I know a lot was made of it, but I believe it's because it is a big deal that his team the Peacocks showed up to his Seton Hall press conference. You know, wh- when coaches leave programs and go somewhere else, there's usually a lot of really bad feelings that mm-hmm. go through it. Just think of it. It's a different sport, but, you know, Brian Kelly in football with Notre Dame going to LSU, how ugly oh that was. Yeah. This very clearly was not the case here. And I think that shows the, the love that these players have for him. And it, another, you know, awesome personality to add to this conference as well. Whew. It's going to be fun. The Just all the different characters and the right? for coaches. It's, it's <laughs> I'm, phenomenal.
0: I'm saying it. Dana O'Neill is going to have to write an entirely new book at this point. She might have to. An, an ending chapter, entire new book. I mean, imagine how well-liked you must be for the players you just left to come to your press conference for your new team. Mm-hmm. That is insane. All everybody has done. Is Lawed Shaheen Holloway not only for his coaching job for but for how he is with his players? It's it's remarkable. I, I think this will be even honestly, even more so than the names that Sean Miller and Thad Mata are, and the returning stories for that. Shaheen Holloway, with what he just did for St. Peter's, might be the single defining moment for how big the Big East can get next year.
1: It's a uh, it... Bringing in Holloway along with the other two hires as well, just I think it shows you that the, the pulling power that this conference has. Yeah, these yeah. these are and big then, deals.
0: And then a surprising one, but a not surprising one.
1: Mm, yeah, hopefully
0: people know what I mean by that. Laval Jordan fired by Butler, and then oh my, was it forty eight hours? Later? It was couple. It, it
1: was couple days. Real quick,
0: it, it felt like forty eight hours. Fad Mata, who was a player assistant coach and head coach at Butler returns for his what third stint at Butler at this point. And he has, <laughs> let's just say
1: some experience. The
0: hardest, the hardest job, I yep. think, to fill because of what Butler's roster looks like at this point.
1: I would say so. First off, <laughs> it's the elephant in the room, so it has to be talked about. Butler screwed over Laval Jordan with this. Yes. And, and it's it's really unfortunate how that broke out. Of course, waiting until April 1st to fire him when, when a lot of the coaching carousel has already been uh, in motion, yes, they did so Because he had a lower buyout Starting on April 1st So they were able Of course, I understand it From a financial aspect But whew, it's a rough look You know, for for the program To try and, and save some money there But screw over the guy That has been yeah. leading you um, for, for the last couple seasons I That's a bad taste in your mouth uh, So n- yeah. not thrilled Especially Laval Jordan Who by all accounts Is one of the nicest guys You will ever exactly. meet Exactly um, And it, it was a move dumb. that
0: it wasn't necessary, honestly. I mean, a lot of people are making this point. Patrick Ewing's move from Georgetown might have been seen as more necessary than Jordan's move well, in terms of a yeah. performance standpoint.
1: That that was my next point, honestly, was that you see Xavier up, Fires coach brings in Sean Miller. Butler Fires coach brings in Thad Mata, a guy that's been a two final fours, You know, knows Butler, has coached at Xavier as well. Sheen Holloway comes in for Kevin Willard. And Patrick Ewing stays. Um, is... is I think it's only going to amplify even more with Georgetown. They have three more transfers going out. It, it is an epidemic at Georgetown, the, the transferring issue. Aminu Muhammad declared for the draft. He kept his college uh, eligibility. I do not think he's going to leave for the draft because we all watched Aminu Muhammad this year. I understand he's got the tools, but he did not put it together. I'd be very surprised mm-hmm. if he gets drafted. It's not a clean situation at Georgetown at all. I, I, I guess they kept him because... They extended his contract after the Big East tournament win, and it would be very difficult to then turn around a year later and fire him. But it is not a good situation there with all of the outgoings. And obviously, an 0-20 um, in, uh, in conference, it's yikes.
0: I'll take it even further. It's a weird situation. Because coming off the momentum they built with that Big East tournament win, and then to see all those transfers, I just I would love to see behind the curtain. And then it's coming to a point where the players just must not be buying into Ewing's vision.
1: Well, they all leave because
0: <laughs> right. Because we when we had that episode when they Georgetown put out that ridiculous statement backing Ewing, because all those rumors were flying around, you would think, okay, the main reason why they're keeping him is because he just hasn't had enough time to work with his roster because every year people, people, uh, I was going to say retire people transfer. So finally get a system in place. You've got a nice recruiting class coming in with a Muhammad and um, Matumbo. This could finally be the year. Yes, they stunk. But if all those guys stay, they get incrementally, incrementally better year by year. You've got a whole new batch of transfers. So what is going on Mm -hmm. Ewing seems pretty obviously not the guy anymore. So, yes, they've backed themselves into a corner that would be incredibly awkward to get out of, but Xavier's upgrading when they didn't even have to. Seton Hall's upgrading when they didn't even have to. Butler, yes, they were terrible, but they're making a push to go after it. And Georgetown's not. They're just cementing their spot right now as the worst team in the Big East, and that's not what you want to be doing for a conference on the rise.
1: It's that awkward position when you bring back a legend that you obviously care so much about his image and how the school looks and, and and relationships and everything with that. And they're being burned by that right now, because if that, if Patrick Ewing is coaching the same, but his name is Dan Smith, Dan Smith mm-hmm. isn't there right now.
0: <laughs> he, the th- he He would might've been gone in the middle of the year.
1: Yeah. So that, that's what I think a lot of this comes down to as well. They were never going to fire him. It would have to be like a mutual parting of ways. Cause I don't yeah. think they're ever going to put the language out that Georgetown fired Patrick Ewing. Uh, but when you look around this conference, you go back to a year ago, like you said, with, with Shaka smart coming in, you got Sean Miller thought not Shaheen Holloway. The coaches continue to elevate. In this conference, we know obviously we know about Jay Wright. Greg McDermott is doing an incredible job. You know, there are so many good coaches in this conference. You're gonna get left behind if you don't. That's what Georgetown runs the risk at. Hell, Ed Cooley just got named national coach of the year. (laughs) I
0: thought you were gonna let me take it. Yeah,
1: (laughs) I should have. I'm so sorry about that.
0: No, he's Ed Cooley has now brought himself into that category of the upper, upper upper echelon of coaches in this league, and it just it truly. It blows me away. Yes, it might have not been surprising based on how bad Butler was this year, but Butler is in now. They are not going to settle for the mediocrity they've had over the last couple of mm-hmm. seasons.
1: Yeah, Modest Big Georgetown
0: is. Yeah, it's. I, I I truly think it. We flip. We flippantly say this, but the Big East is going to send five, six plus teams to the tournament every single year now. No question. If not six, seven plus, when you add in a really good Mike Anderson year, how DePaul could be in the rise in the next few years. I think the conference is in such a good spot. And I think the Ed Cooley Naismith coach of the year was a hands down easy pick completely well-deserved for Providence team that made it all the way to the sweet 16. Just overall, when you think about the year, the big East had what a success.
1: Certainly. And then the last thing we look at when it comes to, changes around the big east of course we've hit college free agency i mean the transfer portal um, has <laughs> has begun and first interchangeable off, now it's pretty much um shout out to our legend just the man Eugene repay who is basically tracking all of big east transfers and recruiting and things like that with a google doc check out his mm. twitter if you are looking for it <laughs> um and it's it's so well done. i have to give the eugene a shout out because i'm gonna be looking at this all summer long um with some interesting names you know already in it bryce golden out for Butler. The big one is that Seamus Lukosius from Butler also put his name in the transfer portal. Oh, I didn't see that. Yes. I wonder he a if, Player, he's a really good player and just a freshman. Uh, I, I wonder if he'll reconsider with a, you know, a big time coach like that Mata coming in, Connecticut mm-hmm. was kind of rocked a little bit. Rasul Diggins, big time, uh, freshman that came in, hasn't really played since he came in transferring Jalen Gaffney as well. Uh, we, you know, we talked about Georgetown and Dewan Odom from Xavier. Uh, has announced that he's going into the transfer portal as well. So it's a huge thing now, as we know, in, in college basketball transfer portal and switching between things, you're going to see it get rocked. The question is going to be about will Villanova be impacted by it? We'll talk about that on Thursday. Uh, mm-hmm. But the Big East is certainly starting to see it play out already.
0: Yeah, we have not talked about UConn much at all, but those two transfers are a big deal. I, I'm I not sure they questions. have a point guard on their
1: roster right now with uh, RJ gone and Diggins and Gaffney transferring.
0: Yeah. It's not. it was an odd move. I think UConn's fans were crushed by yes,
1: by Diggins. Gaffney Diggins and them. Diggins. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. th- there's some high hopes there. So it's yeah. it's interesting to look
0: at. Just throwing it out. The there. next few years. It's I mean, we thought last year was crazy. The next few years is going to be the same exact thing because guys are using their extra year of eligibility. Seems like a new coach gets fired and hired every single day. That will probably much end relatively soon. But not if bubble things. To- yeah, it's true. And, and the Big East could could add some some bigger names, again, because of the names that they're bringing in. And I'm glad you said that. This extends to Shaka Smart, too. Mm-hmm. This extends to that Marquette that team that, that put it together. You got a really good recruiting class at Creighton from last year that's only going to get bigger. Oh, there's are the Who knows scary if crew. Yeah. Villanova could add some transfers for the first time in this cycle. Providence was led by a lot of transfers this year. A lot of questions. Definitely check out Eugene's. Yes. because you will get lost in the sea of names so that is the perfect <laughs> place to keep yourself stable there
1: i think there's over a thousand names in the portal already oh my god um, so it is
0: there's... april 4th people
1: yeah.
0: april 4th <laughs> it's
1: free agency that's what it is now it's just it's a different game um, oh my god you see how you adjust to it
0: yeah college football and college basketball like it's fun it's fun to see some new names but then again i mean I think Villanova is one of four programs this year that didn't add any transfers. UCLA oh was another one. How
1: many times did we hear that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes.
0: Wonder what the program will look like next year. And unfortunately you're going to have to wait till Thursday to find out what we think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> look at looking forward to it though. But, and one more note before we wrap up here, as we record this, it is the six year anniversary of Chris Jenkins shot.
0: Oh yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, of course, stinks that Villanova won't be playing on the same day with a chance to I know potentially one up it. No, never, never.
1: <laughs> it, it will never be one up. It will never be. One-upped. But just just the sh- shout out for for big smooth right there. Yeah, but. it was cool. Yeah, absolutely. All right, that will do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out viewhoops.com for plenty of articles in the aftermath of that Kansas game, as well as as we transition into the Villanova offseason. Be sure to subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and follow us on Twitter at SONNpod. As Emma said, we will be back at it on Thursday for a big season in review slash looking forward episode to close out our first year as a host of State of the Nova Nation. Be sure to tweet us your questions. We were really excited to talk to you guys. Everyone, I hope you all enjoy the national championship game tonight when you listen to this on Tuesday. Um, And Nova Nation, that's a wrap.